Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. A couple of weeks ago, we did an episode where I just gave a Bob Ross quote at the beginning of the episode, and then we free-flowed for the next 45 minutes. So we didn't get to <laughs> any of our notes, didn't get to anything that we wanted to talk about. So um, so we thought we'd dive back in and uh, go back over our notes. So what did you want to talk about this week, Ed? So the first thing I wanted to talk about um, was product versus experience. So I was thinking about this um, this morning, and I was like, which is better? having a really good product or having a really good experience i would say the experience of the product like uh if you've got an amazing product then your experience with it is going to be uh elite and that's going to make you come back so i think that obviously apple do it really well uh they think about the experience down to the way that you open the box uh is an experience although things like um making me buy a new charger and all of that sort of stuff takes away from the experience so that's something that they they do badly a lot of my sneaker addiction is down to experience it's down to there's something very i don't know man like just just the way that it's designed of opening that box and the pa- like unwrapping the paper is it's like unwrapping a present i'm not sure the yeah. function of that little, like little sheet of paper that's in the uh that's in the box that when you buy a new pair of sneakers is it needed it probably is, but like it does really serve as if you're opening your own Christmas present, uh, which has got to trigger some sort of thing inside you. So both are important. But are you gonna are you gonna blow my mind and say something really contrary when it comes to like buying something and having experience? Because I think like when I was thinking about, it, I was like, well, if you think about your work as an example, for a year you basically only sold an experience. There was no products to buy there, and I think. That is an interesting way to kind of like think about what we do in terms of like when we're providing something to other people, are we providing with a product, like a physical product that they can take away or are we providing with some form of experience? And I think if you can go with the experience route first, I think the experience is the thing that's going to kind of keep people coming back and it's going to be the thing that they really remember. Whereas like a product, like you use a product and then it's gone. Whereas it's the experience you have with that product is the thing you tell other people like you don't suddenly say to other people oh, oh this product is so good because it's a great product you say i've had a really good time using this experience and the, what it made me feel is the thing that i'm then going to share with other people and that kind of got me thinking about how buying anything like we don't buy the things we buy for the products themselves for the things that they are we buy them for the things that they can do it's like, and then I was kind of like going down this hole of like actually thinking about what I do as a photographer. But people, people don't buy my photos. They don't buy my services, my time, just to have photos of themselves for the sake of it. They buy them because by buying that photo, then that's going to lead to them potentially getting a job, which is going to benefit their life in some way. So actually, I'm in this weird middle ground of like, kind of, no one actually wants me, but they want the thing that by getting me, they will then get from there. There's a very self-aware uh, way of seeing it and looking into it. I I, I do like that. Um, I think, I, and I mean, you're selling yourself a little bit short because I, I think that the reason that you've done so well is because people talk and and just just for the sake of your, that you're not creepy um, is, a, is a really big thing. <laughs> um, because like, yeah, most of the, the people that you shoot are female and it's quite hard to find a male photographer or I'm not saying it's hard to find a male photographer, but one of the key factors that you are going to look at is 
the dude not being creepy and that is an experience like uh and it could be a very bad experience if you if you get that wrong and you go with the with the wrong photographer so that's your reputation that's people talking and having a good experience while they're with you but the actual product is what they are going to experience from shooting with you and i think it would serve all of the listeners to look at what it is you do in terms of experience because i think that's something that i lucked into and i don't think it was something that i was very conscious of um i was i was mm. making the work and focusing more on the work than anything else um and it was only gradually through doing that obviously street art is something that you do experience because you happen upon it in the streets or or on social media um so i suppose i suppose in that way like mm. that's interesting actually so i'm thinking in real time my work is street art but really i was making most of it during a pandemic when everyone was inside so most people's experience of it was through the internet so whilst i've got the advantage yeah. of people do think it's cool to see something appearing on a wall if you're not someone that makes murals but you do make some sort of visual product really we are all in the same boat if you can make people experience the, your craft and how you do it because um i was giving a talk last night and i i was speaking about this very thing of like I presented like for years and years, we've presented our work out in the form of a photograph and we grew slowly and steadily. And that was what, that was what happened. But when I started putting videos of my work out, it absolutely exploded and it's the same work, but it was just the method of delivery was different. And what's, what's more of an experience? Is it looking at a still image or is it coming on the creation of a product by seeing it evolve in front of your eyes that's more of an experience so i would challenge everyone to look at what they do in terms of experience i think i've i described my art hunt where i hid a thousand pieces of artwork across london i mean that's that's one percent product 99 percent experience that was people mm -hmm. going on the hunt it was them finding it or not finding it um i think i've got very loyal followers that that went on that experience but didn't find a piece of art um, and it's, it's currently something I'm thinking of, like, how can I do that? How can I do that again? Like, how can I make people experience this? Uh, do I, do I set up a market stall where people can say a password and they can get something for free? Or, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at whatever wacky things that I can do that are going to be experienced. And then what I'm also doing is like, like, you've got to think my, if we're looking at me and my work, the the success that I've had and like the social media following of like I've got like eighty thousand on Instagram, and that's been developed over the past two years. If you look at artists that have been going for years that I've got like thirty k or forty k, and I'm at eighty k, it's because that's the the whole reason. It's not because of the artwork. It is because of the experience. Yeah. And I know that when I look at those other accounts, I know that they're not thinking like, how can I help people experience my art more? Like, how can I get them get involved in my world and and feel something? Um, they're just thinking, what am I going to paint next? And for a long time, I was thinking, what am I going to paint next? And I think as soon as I did start to incorporate experience into that, that's when the the real change happened. I saw a post by a photographer this morning and it, it was kind of like looking at their work that kind of started to trigger all of the, this these different thoughts because what they were basically offering was just photos it's like you can come and do this and you can get some photos and there was no telling me what benefit you're going to get from it and i think we've talked about this before in the show about like advertising the benefits of what you do compared to just advertising what you do like what is it you're going to get out of this and i think as creatives we're we can be quite bad at doing that we can be quite bad at thinking about 
well, what is why is someone going to purchase from me, and what are they going to get from it? What how is it going to benefit them in some way? And then thinking like, well, is what I create if I'm struggling to sell things at the moment? Is it because what I'm creating isn't bringing any benefit to people? And thinking like, how can I bring more of maybe an experience or something that is a bit deeper, a bit richer than just oh, here's some individual piece of something that I've created. Yeah how how can I speak to you? How can I speak directly to and I think there might be something around sort of like vulnerability or honesty and truth of of are are you are you just making something that I'm thinking of like people graduating and coming out of uni and and putting forward the where you've not quite found your style yet and you're doing something that's that's traditionally done well it's like safe and and I feel like that there's that next step isn't there of when you start to open up and you start to make the work that that really represents you and is really trying to do something different or is trying to change something or is trying to involve people in uh, I was going to say movement maybe movement's a strong word but but actually no like in in a movement because we've seen we've seen traditionally like people who do start movements it, it can be really powerful and I'm not just talking about in terms of like career or money or reward like just of, of just like fulfilling them because if I if I think now like I just did my solo show my wages are now covered for the next year I've got a year to experiment and fuck around and it doesn't I, I haven't got that pressure of like of the gremlin of you've got to pay your rent over my shoulder it's like my, my rent's taken care of so I'm not thinking about making commercially viable work I'm thinking about making the work that is truest to me and I know that's I know that's like the I, I know what a privileged position I'm in like it's a really golden spot that everyone wants to be in is is to have that freedom um but i i can only talk about my truths like i'm trying i want you guys to get to that stage and now that i am in that stage like i'm i'm thinking so much more about things like experience things like the feelings that i can help my audience experience and i feel like if i'm making if i i feel like the irony of it is like as soon as that that gremlin of financials is gone the work that I'll be making will probably be more financially viable anyway because I'm not actually worrying about the money side of it. So, just thinking about, say, being an artist as an example, I think if if like so I'm almost kind of picturing like you're at a craft fair or something and you've kind of gone and rented a stall and you're like, yeah, I've made some work. No one knows who I am. I'm going to go and put on this stall and just hopefully sell to any passers-by who come in there. And I kind of think about that the same way as I think of like adverts that you kind of see like well everywhere you see an advert, which are quite often like here's a new thing you've never seen before, buy it. And I think if we can have like a different view on it, and instead of just trying to be like, okay, here's my product, buy the product. It's like, here's an experience, 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 get to know me. And then I'm going to tell you that I have a product later. I think that is a much better way to do it. And I think that's the way that, like, I think if you had a solo show a year and a half ago, you'd maybe sold one or two pieces Mm. to maybe a couple of people that you knew but it wouldn't have been the success that it was. And I think having that experience first, it's, I think it kind of comes down to, again, it's like playing that long game and not wanting that kind of short-term win of like, I need to quickly sell something. It's building up like long-term loyal customers. And I think you do that from like what we've just discussed here and kind of things I've been thinking about recently is by creating that experience first. And if you can create value for someone, just create something that makes people care about you first and then once they've got that, they've got something out of it for free, then it's like, oh, actually, now you're selling products. I kind of already trust you because you've already done this other thing. 
So, yeah, I think this is something that I think everyone listening to this needs to think about. It's like, how can you create some form of experience, something for people? And like we say experience, it doesn't mean you have to put on a big kind of show or something like that. It can just be spending time with people. And I think this comes, like the amount of times we come back to uh, Daniel Priestley's kind of 7 of kind of like hitting people for like, seven hours like seven hours worth of content in 11 different places at four different times it just always comes back to that how can you create something that someone can consume for a longer period of time that someone feels valuable in consuming that content and once you've done that then i think it's easy to sell to people and we just need to kind of reframe it of like hey what are we doing that's going to kind of provide that experience first once we've done that for people then we worry about trying to sell or kind of sell our products or sell our services yeah and in terms of that that selling i think as as we move forward like gen z are so clued up and so switched on and there's been numerous studies done where it shows that gen z do not respond to traditional advertising they reject it in fact and i I saw a really interesting tiktok recently actually that was about was about this new phenomenon of a big corporate brand getting their intern to be or their social media manager and have that be someone who is, say, early 20s uh, and, and have them be really vulnerable on social media. So, oh, if you guys don't like this, then I'm really worried I'm going to lose my job at big corporation. In this weird way of how can a brand stay authentic and because they can't because they're a fucking brand, how can they stay authentic and, and do marketing at the same time and be relatable the only way to do that is by like trotting out someone who is actually relatable to the people that are watching it. And it's this weird sort of, I don't want to say the word meta uh, in current times, but <laughs> it's, it's that, it's that weird sort of, um, it's that weird dichotomy of, of it, at the end of the day, it is a brand and, and they are now competing for so much of our space and our awareness and our attention that, their only way to sort of get through is, is almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's like to, to kind of hide in there. So as we're getting to that stage where like just buy this product doesn't really work, it's like the only way to sell really is is to have goodwill. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm sure if we were if we were sitting like this is you and me and like we know sales and we know marketing and we have made like we've had successful companies and businesses so like it's not like we don't know what we're talking about but i just feel like if you and i were having this conversation with someone who's like a big sales guy you know the type of people that i yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I think they would probably like be against that and be like oh well you you've got, it's it's almost there's there's like that trickery involved isn't there well i think when yeah and i think if we had that conversations with a kind of quote unquote traditional salesman someone who'd like ring you up and try and sell you something within 5 minutes they want to try and say something within five minutes. Whereas I think we're the game we're playing, it's not a five minute game. It's a long-term game of we're meeting people who could potentially be customers for the next 40 years. And it's not a quick turnover of stuff. We're trying to build relationships. We're not just trying to peddle products. I think that's the difference mm. to the world we're living in now. Like obviously there's probably still people who just are there to just try and sell products as quick as possible. But I think the world we're moving into because people are so aware of sales tactics and those kind of things now, we're going to have to approach things in a bit more of a relationship-driven way. And I think that's where understanding kind of human behavior, understanding what's going on in the world and understanding how to talk to people. Because it's like, if you want to talk to a younger person, then 
you're going to need to know how to talk to a younger person and it's like if because it's like when a like you can i just picture like a an old guy like trying to talk to like a young kid and it's been our kids these days they don't understand anything and they always have this mentality of like they're different to me so and i say old guy like i've known people my age who are exactly the same about kind of a generation below they're like oh they're all idiots they like they're they're so different to me so and i'm not willing to change to meet them so we're just never going to have a conversation whereas i think if we are in business for a long game and unless we're only appealing to people who are exactly like us and as we're never going to kind of talk to anyone of any different demographic any different age then like i feel like there needs to be something in there about learning and understanding what different people are like and i think when it comes to big companies uh, i think like we've had interesting conversations before in the show about kind of where companies will employ people of certain demographics to come in to their companies to help them uh, like target different people mm. what you're saying there about the corporate companies getting younger people in to come and do stuff like there's uh, someone i know who kind of took over like a band's tiktok account for like six months to try and like build it because the band's a bunch of older guys and tiktok is a brand new thing to them and their audience isn't hasn't moved over to that yet so it's like how can we build up a relationship on this platform by using younger people to help do that yeah that makes sense i i think when i when i talk to so many creatives they they don't have a really sort of good idea of who their audience is. Their their audience is whoever mm. can pay me money so that I can pay my bills this month, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is totally valid. But I think as soon as you do know who that audience is and and how to target them, how to be where they are, and and like you say, like how to effectively communicate with them, um, then that's where that's where you're going to find success. I'm in a situation where I've kind of worked out exactly who my target audience is. So I can then, as soon as you know it, then you can really refine down that and kind of like really almost research and kind of go into that like heavy, like tiny niche. Whereas um, if you're not in that stage yet, which I suppose, like I suppose as soon as you know it, you can go for it all in. But I think most people probably aren't at that stage. And basically what you said there about how most creatives are kind of like, oh, well, anyone who can pay me, I think that's probably the stage that most people are in. I was actually recently listened to a book called The One Page Marketing Plan by a guy called Alan Dibb, which I recommend everyone go and listen to. It's a very good book. It's only, I think, audible. It's only on like four or five hours or something. So it's quite a quick one, but very like information dense. And one thing it talked about in there was uh, this idea of PVP. And it really helps you kind of narrow down your and focus on like exactly who you want as clients. Um, and basically the PVP stands for, the first P is personal fulfillment. So by working with X person or by doing X thing, how much personal fulfillment will that bring you? So if it's something that's like, if it's like, if you hate working with corporates, then maybe you rate that two or three out of 10. Whereas if you really enjoy working with music bands, as an example, then that's going to be like a nine or a 10 out of 10. We're basically going to go through this chart. So V is value to the market. So what you do, how much value is there to the actual market that you want to provide to? Because if you make ice creams and you really, really want to sell to rock art, rock musicians, there's probably not that many, there's not much value you can provide to that market. Whereas if you sell instruments or repair instruments or something like that, your value to that market is going to be quite high. And then the third P is profits. So yes, you might kind of really love this thing, first P, that you might have a great value to the market. But then if what you do doesn't actually bring any money in, 
then that's going to be hard to make a career there. So, so the idea here is you kind of you make a, a chart on a piece of paper and you kind of write the three different things: personal fulfillment, value to the market, and profits. And you go down and you rank each one of those different things based on all the different things you could do out of 10 in each of those categories. And then you basically add them up. And at the end of it, you'll have an idea then, okay, well, what out of these things do I like to do? Is there an actual kind of value that I can provide as a creative to that market? And then how much profit can I actually make from that? And if, if you add them all up, whatever is the highest total there is probably the route you go down because that's going to be where you have the most chance to actually turn your creative endeavor into a career. And I think just having that simple little graph can really help people focus on where it is they need to start. And as soon as you've got that idea of, okay, well, this is my point of starting, that's when we can kind of go down the route that I was talking about before of like really getting to understand that audience and really kind of getting into their mindset, working out where they go, what kind of things they like, um, what do they think about when they go to sleep? And I think that was something that was written in the book, like what do they think about when they go to sleep? that really kind of stuck with me because I was thinking well what do people worry about because I feel like most times when people go to sleep it's normally those anxious thoughts of like the things that you kind of you've been too busy to think about in a day or you thought about but you kind of haven't really kind of really really thought about it but it's in those kind of alone times that those anxieties really kind of come out and if if you're worried about something it's like if you know who your audience is and you can you know what they're kind of laying in bed worrying about can you provide a solution to that because that at the end of the day is what they care about more than anything and if you can provide value to someone or provide the solution to that thing they're worrying about that's where you can sell a service that's where you can start to help those people and make a profit from it which is turning your creative endeavor into a business yeah and and when we were talking before about kind of underhanded sales tactics i think as soon as you do realize that whatever it is that you offer helps people in some way and you work out what way it does help people, then that's where you're doing them a favor. Uh, so like 100%. we got a DM this week uh, from someone who was saying, oh, I've just started up my new company and um, I, I've, I've got some contacts. He was basically within the music industry. I've got some contacts that I haven't spoken to for a couple of years. It would be a bit weird for me to just all of a sudden out of the blue, just hit them up. And I was like, dude, if you're offering something that could help them, if you don't hit them up then like you're you're depriving them of your service which could be really really useful to them don't see it as you're burdening them because you're getting in touch going i i need money to survive you're not saying that you're saying i've got a a product or a service that could really help you it's it's like marie forleo said if you've got if you've got something if there's something creative within you that people could enjoy or could or that could help people and you don't give it out to the world then you're stealing from them and I've always loved that that statement. And I actually was talking to someone recently and I said that to them and, and they were like, oh my God, you've just kicked me in the guts. Like it really, really resonated for them. I was like, yeah, you're, you're stealing from those people um, because she had an idea for something that could, could really help a lot of people. And I was like, well, if you're, if you're sitting on that, then all of those people, they, they can't be helped at the moment. So, and she, so she then realized that she needed to get over her own insecurities of coming forward and saying, here's the thing that I do. Because actually, if she could get over that, it was going to help a bunch of people. It's like if you and me had still carried on and going, oh, I don't like how my voice sounds or um, or I say um too much when I speak because I just said it there. So I picked up on it. It's like if you and me had, had, had really concentrated on, oh, we hate our voices or we're not confident enough to 
to be on camera or on mic or anything like that, then this podcast wouldn't exist. And then we'd be stealing from every single listener that downloads this every week and it helps them, man. So um, I, I think because you produce the thing, you find it really hard to to place yourself in the the point of view of the person who buys the thing from you. And I know a lot of people sort of almost feel guilt of asking money for what it is that they do. But like in exchange for their fun tokens, you are giving them something more than money. You're giving them an experience or you're helping them with their problem or you're making them feel something. I mean, certainly when I, because I, I was thinking what you were saying about like knowing your audience and I was thinking because like I've, I've just done my show and it's like, I, I know that I've got collectors now because they're people that I speak to kind of on a regular basis because whenever I put out on my mailing list that something's coming up, I, I get contacted by these same, like maybe 10 people. So I've got 10 customers that I can kind of, I can picture who they are and they're all so different. And there's one dude who is, obviously my stuff's quite expensive because I've put myself in that category which you can choose to put yourself in whatever category you want. I choose to put myself in the expensive <laughs> category. And and one of my clients is um, like really young dude, but like has made a fortune from crypto and sold some of his Ethereum to buy one of my paintings at the show, like, like madness. Um, but I don't worry about their kind of like their demographics or their differences. I worry about like what's similar between me and them not like not it's not even what's similar between themselves it's what's similar between me and each individual customer and understanding what it is that they take from my work and now that i've i'm sort of trying like now that i'm getting more of an understanding of that i'm able to like build those relationships and i'm able to focus on it's like yeah i've got a large number on instagram but like like this many people are my customers from it like a very very tiny tiny percentage are my customers from it. And I'm not focused on that big number or growing it or anything like that. I'm focused on providing value for the people that are my customers or the people that are kind of appreciators of my work that understand what I'm trying to do, that are, are that are on board for the journey, that are seeing, like they're vicariously seeing where I'm going and, they're, and I get messages from people going, oh, it's really cool that you're doing XYZ project. And really it comes back yeah. down to experiences because all of the, all of my customers, are people that have had experiences with me personally, people that I've met in the street, people that I've come up to me while I've been painting, people that have got involved with the art drop, um, or that have experienced something through viewing my work and the way that it has made them feel. And so those those are my they're they're my true fans. They're they're the people that I'm trying to build a thousand true fans. When it comes to what you were saying about earlier about kind of if you've got something that generally helps people and you're kind of you're stealing from them if you don't kind of have that um then it's looking at what you do and working out well what is it about what i do that can help people because i think sometimes we don't really think about like if i'm taking pictures of someone then how is me taking a picture of someone helping them and you actually need to just sit in that for a minute and be like okay hey, well what how is it helping them well one, it can help them get a job going forward. Two, it can help build their confidence. And it's kind of like slowly kind of like breaking it down. You'll actually realize that the things you do are beneficial to other people in some way. And I think once we crack that, and like it doesn't take too long to really sit and think about it. And try and like, even like if you can't think about it, ask your audience, like ask the people who purchase from you because they've got all the answers. I think sometimes we put so much pressure on trying to guess everything that the world has to offer 
but there's literally some people that we've had a good relationship with that we've worked with before who have all of the answers that we need and it's just a matter of asking them and they can give you the exact feedback you want and then it's like okay well now i've got the self-belief in what i do because it's like if i if what i did i knew you didn't get anything from then for me to sell that product would be hard because it would just be like me selling a, an item that is useless and then it becomes like you're kind of stealing from them in a negative sense yeah. in that way because you've got a bad you're basically selling a bad product i suppose you're giving a bad experience and that's when it's going to become hard to go to those people who you haven't spoke to for years being like oh actually i just need your money i don't i don't really care about what i'm saying to you i just want your money off yeah i think that's obviously a very negative space to be in but as soon as you've kind of sat down you kind of build your own self-belief in what you do in your craft and be like actually my craft helps people in it this way then it's like fucking shout that from the rooftops tell every single person you know like i know what i do really really helps people so it's like i'm gonna tell as many people as that as possible like i know that by coming to me you're gonna get a good service and it's gonna be fun you're gonna leave more confident than you came in like i'm so convinced that that's the case that it's easy for me to go to people and say like look like this is we should do this this should definitely happen whereas i think if that wasn't the case and you didn't have that belief in what you do yet it's like yeah we have like self-belief in ourselves but like we need to have belief in the things that we sell the things that in our creativity i suppose when you were talking it made me think of that that sort of famous salesman thing of of sell me this pen and the guy's interviewing someone and they they slide a pen across the table and say sell me this pen i i, I think i've had that done to me before i think it was when i was um charity fundraising so i used to be one of those annoying people a chugger that would stop you in the street and they they did yeah. the the sell me this pen um trick and it's like how can i sell you this fucking pen because i don't give a shit about it like Give me something yeah, yeah, yeah. that I care about and I'll sell the shit out of it. And I think that's why whenever we've been in meetings for Graffiti Life, it's like if I'm with the CEO of Adidas or whoever it might be, like whatever boardroom, I was always like, just get me in the room. If you can get me in the room, because I passionately believe that the product that we're selling is going to achieve the the things that they're looking to achieve with the campaign. I was like, I know, I know that we can do it. So you've just got to get me in the room to talk about it. And I think if you if you can look at what you do and you can find that value and you can find what you do offer to people, what they are going to get from it, and you can passionately believe in it because it's it's come from you, like you've created it, and you can talk about that confidently, then you, you like you're not selling, you're just telling. That's a nice little nice little one what I've done there. So you, that's a this is a great one, that you're not selling, you're telling. Like just just tell them like what it what it is, and then if they don't want it, that's fine because it's for the people that that do want it it's not for the people that don't like don't spend don't waste your time trying to convert people over if you tell people and they don't go for it then it's like you know they're missing out when deep down you know they're missing out by not going with what you've done it's the same way as like when you get client briefs through and it's like you've like okay i've got this idea i know this is going to work for your demographic it's going to be absolutely perfect you pitch it to them and it gets rejected and you're like oh this is like the most frustrating thing in the world like you just want them to go and do this thing that you've done because you know it's going to work but they're not quite confident and it's like you're missing out you have that deep down feeling of like well whatever you do isn't going to be as good and you're going to miss out but I'm not going to try and push you into it like you don't want to force someone into something they're not comfortable with it's just like yeah all you can do is tell them and it's then up to them of whether they make that decision or not but I suppose that decision can also be changed 
by the education around that. Like if you go to people and you educate them in what you're doing, how it's going to benefit them and all that kind of thing. So I suppose, yeah, when it comes down to the brief idea, you probably, in that case, you probably haven't pitched the brief well enough if it comes back and it's a no, because if you go to them and give them all the reasons why and educate them on why that is rather than just telling them, then I think you're way more likely to get a yes. Yeah, and I think if you think of 99% of the briefs that we've not won um, back in the day, they were traditionally because the decision maker wasn't in the room and we were pitching to an agency. The agency loved it, but then they tried to then they tried to relay our presentation onto the end client. But because we weren't there yeah, in the room, yeah. that's that's and so as soon as you lose that, so that's that's one thing that I always make sure if I'm ever pitching for anything, and pitching's a whole other thing that we could talk a whole show about because it's it's something that's really broken within the industry. And I hope I hope not many of you guys do have to pitch as part of your job because I think it's a, a very sort of corrupt system, but. If you do find yourself in that situation of pitching, always make sure that you are talking to the decision maker. Because again, if you do know your products and service and you know what the values are of what you offer, then you you are the only one who's physically able to convey that with enough confidence because it is because you live and breathe it because you do it every day. And that confidence definitely gets built up over time. And it, and it's something that I've been observing so much recently is every time I get a DM from someone, I'm looking at their account and I'm looking at sort of how often they're posting and and what they're posting and what they're saying. And I, I basically like just, I, I want to get a good idea of our listeners. So anytime any of you guys DM us, I, I look at the accounts and I feel like so many of you are not fully 100% committed. And I totally understand it because I think what is happening is that you've got, you've got one toe dipped in because you've got a good idea that it could happen, but because you're not 100% sure that you're going to be a success, that you're going to make it, that this thing is going to be your thing, you've not gone full in. So by by saying that, I mean like you're posting once every two weeks or um, or there's loads of unanswered comments in your comment section the way you've not got back to people. Just little things that I'm seeing where it's like, I don't believe that you believe it 100% yet, And I wrote down something in the week that I I was just sort of thinking about this concept. And I I feel like 90% of success is down to your commitment to that success. So if you believe 100, if you look at all of the successful people, like many of, of, of many people that have been on this show, like many previous guests, if you look at really successful people, you can see that they have this unwavering kind of self-belief that they're going to make it. And, and I mean, they, they always had that because even when they had no audience and no following and no, and nothing, they kept going. So like you and I, when we, when the pandemic hit and we first, we, and we started like basically from zero, both of us, we went through six, eight, 10 months of not that many people paying attention, but we kept going because we had a hundred percent kind of commitment to knowing that if we keep going on this, we can make it successful. So I think if you can become committed and and if you can talk yourself into, self-hypnotise yourself that if I do keep going at this, it is going to be successful, then I think that will allow people to more map the behaviours that are going to equal that success. Because if I, I get up at 7am every morning and I go for a run and I, and I sit down at my desk, to, say I'm writing a novel and I sit down at my desk and I, I write, write the first paragraph, when I'm six weeks into that, 
I have to know this is going to be a good book in order to keep me going. And I think a lot of people don't realise this is going to be a good career, this is going to be a good book, this is going to be a good painting, whatever it is that they're working on. And I think as soon as they start to develop that, let's just keep going with this and eventually this is going to be a success. I mean, I'm I'm sort of talking to this kid at the moment, like he's uh, 17 and, um, and I, I've just made him listen to the podcast and he messaged me the other day and he was, he was <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff on there that I don't understand. And I was like, I, I'm so glad he said that. It, it's, it's really realizing that, that all of our listeners are from, from like fucking like such diverse backgrounds from like, from mad different age ranges. Like when you look at our demographic for this show, it's so varied. And, not, and, and so that means that people are on such different parts of their journey but hoping that we can that we can get this across of like you might not understand all of the all of the pattern all of the the hacks and the tricks and the and and whatever it comes down to 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 making this success but if you can get established that this that things are going to be okay if i keep going down this path and i keep learning and growing and improving i think it's this toe half dipped in thing this this lack of of total commitment to it that's where we have the problem. It's completely understandable as well, because when you think about anyone starting anything, like when you, we first started Graffiti Life, like 11 years ago or whatever, that like we didn't know it was going to work. We, we were like, well, there's, there's a good chance this could work. It's a good product, like it's good service. We've got good artists, like it's a good thing. We believe that it has the chance to potentially one day do something, but we, there was no kind of certainty there. And I remember, like, especially in the early days, like all of us had wobbles at certain points of being like, "Oh, is this actually going to work? Like, are we invested all this time into this and it might turn into nothing? Like, are we ever going to make any money? Like, all those thoughts kind of ran through our heads." And I think it's only because that business was just, it's only because that business was successful, and subsequent things we've done since then have been successful as well that it's now like oh okay actually it does work and I think listening to this like it, it is hard because you met anyone can tell you oh well yeah just go and do this and it'll happen but until you believe it yourself you kind of have to just like just you just have to like listen to us you have to listen to people who are giving you that advice of like you can do it because they're not saying we're not trying to trick you. We're not being like, ha let, let us waste your the next few years of your life. Like it's we're only saying this. We're only doing this podcast every week because we want to help you. We want to say, like, look, this is possible, but you do need to commit fully to it. Because like if we say, for example, we can't often talk about the three-year rule in terms of committing to something for three years, and then you start to, there's kind of this magical point where you start to see success. That's three years of complete commitment. That's not dipping your toe in for three years if you dip your toe in it's probably going to take you 20 years because like if yeah if you're going to wash your body with just dipping each little bit in individually it's going to take forever whereas if you just dive straight into it and kind of commit to it you're going to see results so much quicker and i think anyone who wants results quicker if you're not fully committed to it then that's exactly what you need to do you just need to head all in on that thing and as soon as you it's funny because as soon as you actually start and you fully commit you put so much higher percentage of your time into actually doing the thing. You get better quicker, you learn quicker. And it's this like absolute exponential kind of growth. And by doing that as well, you build the self-belief, you build the idea of actually I can do this. Like I can go and if I if I put my mind to something, I can achieve something. I think as soon as you've got that mindset, it's like I have the complete belief that if I, no matter what it was creatively, 
that I've never done before, if there's a creative endeavor that I've never started, I believe I within a certain amount of time I could become a success at it. I believe that like I am the most unmusical person ever. Like I've tried to play instruments before, but never committed to it and I was never very good. But I believe that if I wanted to be a musician as a career, within the next five years, if I committed to it, I could do that. And this is someone from coming from someone who isn't doesn't have kind of the gift, so to speak, of like being musically talented, but no one's born with the gift of being musically talented. I fully believe that if I committed to it, it would happen. And that's only because everything that I've committed to before has, like most things, have been successful. And if they haven't been, I've learned something from them, which has then helped me go forward anyway. I think we spend too much time worrying about the future. And, oh, well, it's also that one as well. Like, oh, if I'm only dipping my toe in, I can get out really quickly mm. and then like I can pretend that no, like no one ever saw me dip that toe in uh, so I can kind of skirt off and no one will ever like be like oh did, weren't you doing that thing you know like, oh, I just just tried it out but yeah as soon as you fully commit then suddenly you've got people you're accountable to because the world has seen that you've gone to do this which also helps push you forward it's funny it's like it sounds scarier because it's like oh if I go and do this then I've got people will actually see that I've done it and then if I fail that I might be judged by them but actually that judgment helps you be more committed because you don't want to fail to those other people. A hundred percent. And and the 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 instrument metaphor is something that I've used before and, and saying like, yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent confident that I that I could could do that. And I don't want people to mistake that for arrogance. It's not like it's we talked about success stacking on the show before and it's it's building off of previous successes, knowing if I dedicate a certain amount of time to this, I go all in, I go balls out we know we can make it successful because that's what we've done with every business that we've been involved in in the past is we, we've given it that full commitment, that not dipping the toe in, jumping straight in and making it work. And it's really interesting that you mentioned the, the three-year three plan before. There's been something that has been haunting me. Uh, when, I was on, when I was on Emma Gannon's uh, podcast a couple of months ago, she asked the question, you always say, that it takes three years to to sort of see any success at something, but you've seen success in like 18 months. Like, how is that, how is that possible? And it's really been bugging me because I wanted to, to have the full answer. And I was thinking about it yesterday, ironically enough. So it's so funny that you mentioned it today. But I was thinking the reason why I was able to be successful in that such a short amount of time is that I went fully committed I think when we were starting our first business and we were in our 20s, there were so many other distractions of of like, we've got to pay the rent was a, was a big one. We did put in three years. And then if you break that time down of how much time we were spending on shit that wasn't just building the business it was let's let's go and do whatever xyz job that that if you look at the the analogy of does it make the boat go faster from mike when it wasn't making the boat go faster but it was keeping the boat fucking afloat because we needed to pay yeah, our rent yeah. um so we were doing shitty jobs that we didn't really care about but but that paid money so that we could eat um and i think that most people, when they first start a business, there's so many other distractions that it's going to take three years because they, they've got other shit going on in their lives. And I think the reason that I was able to do it in 18 months is firstly, because doing this show for two years in the build-up before starting reaffirmed everything so much in my head that I was like, okay, I, and I'm pretty sure that anyone who has been listening to the show for the past two years, I feel like if you are actively listening and possibly taking notes and 
trying to put into effect the things that we're talking about, I think you will have quicker success than three years. Going into the three-year thing, and the reason that we've both managed to do it quicker than three years when it comes to what kind of the new things we've started to do is I think with the three years that involves kind of starting from zero and like not having that self-belief and I think within that three years of committing to something that's where you really start to find your confidence find your self-belief in what you're doing whereas as soon as we start something now we've already got the belief that we can go and do it so everything's a shortcut it's like the success stacking you were talking about earlier one of our kind of little things on our stack is the fact that we've got that self-belief in we can commit to it and we can achieve something um, so I suppose that's, again, another reason why we were able to, able to kind of shortcut that three years. And obviously, it's a three-year thing. It's not like it's a fixed, this is definitely going to take everyone three years. Some people are going to have little knockbacks along the way, and it's going to kind of take them away for a little bit, and it might take them a little bit longer. But it's almost like a magical thing that averages out to about three years for everyone. Yeah, and it's remarkable how many guests that we've had on the show where we've said like, oh, where was the first point where you started to see a little bit of success from this? And it was like two and a half years, three years in. So I, I do think it's a good marker. And I think it's important for people to to also just just carve that out in their diary. Just look at your calendar and go, okay, well, next three years, this is me. And if you can do that and you can dedicate those three years to it's impossible for 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 nothing to come out of three years of dedicated time into something, even if it's just 100%. even if it's just all spent learning. At the, at the end of the those three years, then you come out an expert at something. Um, and and when I say expert, yes, obviously there have been people who have been working on things for ten years or twenty years or all of their life, but there's not many people who have spent three years working on one thing. And anyone who has spent even one year knows much more about that thing than most other people. Um, and as soon as you do know a, a great deal about something, you can start to become an expert in that thing. You can make content around that thing. You can become known for that thing. I mean, to to harken back to someone we mentioned the other day, um, May Contain, the, the Nut Allergy podcast. Like, I mean, I would imagine that he is so much more of a nut allergy expert now than he was when he first started 100%, because he's been yeah. working on not related content for the past three years. I mean, and, and it's happened. We've watched it in real time, him make a success from it. Um, sponsorship deals and, and like doing a successful podcast. I mean, the niche, nichiest of the niche is doing things for people with nut allergies. Yeah. He, he understands his, his value. He understands how he's helping people. I think as well, when it comes to um, like social media and kind of like watching people grow and stuff on there, like well, you only ever see like a certain amount of what people are doing and you don't know how much they're really committing to it. And I think maybe this is where some people might get frustrated as well is by if they've started at a similar time to someone else and they're kind of like watching them on social media, they're watching them grow quicker. and they're like, oh, it's so, anno so annoying. Like that person's so much more successful than me and we've both been doing it for a similar amount of time. But you don't know how much time that person's actually committed to that. You don't know whether that person's been going to bed every single night at three in the morning dedicated to that to make sure that it can happen. And I think we quite often look at people and be like, well, how how are they doing this? Like the amount of times that I speak to people and they're like, how, how do you fit everything in? And it's like, because I've been doing it for a long time and you just and you make time for it like from the moment I wake up I'm on my phone kind of checking through emails checking through messages like it literally it doesn't stop but it's that commitment to just like the craft to doing what you do and making sure that every single bit of free time you have 
is going towards that it's like are you putting it are you just wasting away your time or are you building towards something that's going to benefit you in the future and i think we we have to think of it as like a sacrifice like we can't have everything you can't just do all the things in the world you want you have to pick something and dedicate a certain amount of time to that and it's, it's funny as well like once you actually sacrifice it's just a short-term sacrifice because you'll sacrifice it you commit to it you'll get to a stage where your craft is sustaining you and then you can kind of like relax a bit and you can kind of start to then enjoy those other things that you were doing at the start that were distracting you from going all in on what you were doing so it's like yes in the short term you might find like other other things in your life might suffer like when we first started like seeing our friends like all those kind of things massively declined but then as soon as you've gone so far into that career it's like now as you've said there it's like you've got your next year salary effectively paid for so you can kind of do whatever you want so you could just go and see your friends for the mm. next year if you wanted to and that's the privileged position that you get to by putting in that commitment and i think it's like people listening to this will be like oh my god i would love to be in that situation so much like that's my dream but it's like you just have to put in the commitment to get there it's like you've effectively got the degree from the uni of creativity it's like you've put in your three years you've got the, you've done the work you've done the time and then you've come out the other side of it with the thing that's going to make your life easier going forward from there yes i don't have to worry about money for the next year and yes that is amazing but i'm still going to be painting because that's the thing that i enjoy and what yeah. you should be aiming for is for for your creative freedom is to be able to do the thing that you want to do each day because at the end of the day you've got one life and you should be spending it doing the shit that you care about the shit that's going to connect you with like-minded cool people that have the same vibes as you i mean really that that to me is the meaning of life if we want to get really stupid about things it's like it's how you spend your time because life is time that's all it is is it is starting point here gravestone here what are you going to fill this middle bit with um and for me i know that that's going to be painting for now that is painting so that's what i'm what i'm filling that time with and it's the question of like what would you do if you weren't getting paid for it well i mean i'm not going to be getting paid for it for a while because i'm not seeking out any of those things i've had a few brands offer to do stuff i don't need to do it um i'm actually quite proud that i've said no to all brands because i don't it's it's not the place that i'm in at the moment um i just want to be creating i just want to be making wacky neon paintings so that's what i'm going to be doing and i think that is achievable for you guys and i think that this has been there's been some really high level stuff um, in this episode and i don't want it to seem overwhelming i think your main takeaways from this are, are really to just keep going that you're on the right path you're on the right track Li- literally just listening to this show is the start of something um, because if this show gets you to go and download another 10 different creative podcasts uh creative boom or or chase jarvis or or impact theory or whatever the other podcast might might be and all of those are going to be these little building blocks that are going to build up your confidence they're going to build up your strategies they're going to build up the the steps that you're going to need to push you that little bit further than everyone else who is still worrying who's still only dipping half a toe in it's going to give you that that confidence and that commitment to just go forward and fucking try and just see what happens because again you've got one life make it fucking count go and do some shit to see what happens I feel like you should put some um, some dramatic music at the end of that. <laughs>